0: Welcome to CCO Podcast, calling college students to serve Jesus Christ with their entire
1: lives. Hi, everybody. Maybe I'll, I'll let Nate work on that. Um, my name is uh, Phil Oliva. Um, I am um, going to talk to you today about faith, technology, and artificial intelligence. Um, the um, Just a little about myself, it, Oh, can you all hear me? You all Okay, I'm not using the microphone right now. Um, but I think I'll go up here and get a little closer in case. Um, the um, uh, I've been a follower of Christ since uh, my junior year of college. Um, I'm formerly from um, Carnegie Mellon. Uh, I'm a CCO alum, Carnegie Mellon, yes. I thought we might have some folks out there from our local... Uh, uh, tech world. Um, I'm uh, married. Uh, I'm the father of uh, three grown children, uh, only one of whom went into the technology field. Um, so I think I did my job okay. I kind of replaced myself, but it didn't create too many nerds. Uh, I'm a Presbyterian elder, um, and um, uh, most Recently, I had worked at Microsoft for uh, 27 years, uh, but um, I stopped getting paid for work in 2018, and I'm happy as a clam uh, because it's given me some opportunity to pursue some of my other passions. Um, the, um, are we, oh, are the oranges back? Are we good there? Uh, it doesn't look quite right. They're sending someone a All right, great. We, we, we'll carry on. I, I want today's, I want us to be interactive today. So, you know, stop me. I'll try and pause, uh, uh, when, when, uh, for an opportunity for you to uh, engage and interact with me. Um, uh, one of the things I don't have all the answers. Um, uh, I, um, uh, I'm not a theologian, uh, and, uh, I'm not an expert on Christianity and AI. What I am is I'm a Christian who happens to have been a scientist who's had the privilege uh, of working uh, in the AI field for the last 42 years. Uh, And I've had the privilege of working with some of the founding fathers of this field of science. Uh, And uh, I have enormous respect for the people I worked with um, there's a lot of challenges around technology, uh, as I'm sure you all know. Uh, uh, but again, it's technology, like all the gifts of the earth are gifts from our father, and they are meant to be redeemed uh, through Christ. Um, so oddly, my career as an AI scientist began contemporaneously with my uh, walk as a Christian. Uh, and even now, forty years later, I it's it's hard to s- separate the two of those things because, uh, for me, uh, you know, following what we you know what I learned at the time I was a young Christian, the idea that there's no boundary between faith and life and work, and they're all integrated together, uh, and that there's really, um, really for me, I, I've never had the struggles that that some of my friends have had, uh, and I give blessings to God for that. But essentially, you know, I essentially take the, um, the two greatest commandments that he gave us is one was the Lord, the love, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, uh, soul and mind. Uh, and the second is, is like that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and honestly, some of the biggest challenges I've had, um, as a, um, um, as a Christian work- in the workplace, have not been on sort of how do we use this technology, although super important, and that's what we're going to spend all our time talking about today. But it's how do I interact with the people whom I'm working with? Because that is probably the biggest impact I had. Uh, some of the hardest conversations I had through my career were conversations that involved having to fire uh, some of the very good people that, uh, that worked for me uh, while I was at Microsoft, having to disappoint people who wanted uh, promotions that didn't get them. And those are the low points. The high points were uh, seeing where you could help somebody in, in their career, seeing how you could preserve somebody's career. Uh, you know, I, one of the things that I'm, uh, I'm proud of is that my group had a great early representation of women in the sciences and technology. And one of the things that I did as a manager was to try and create that flexibility, uh, for women who were starting families to take time off, take nine months off or, or 12 months off, uh, and then come back, uh, and continue their careers after they'd gotten their, uh, their child started. Um, and, you know, today that's kind of standard operating procedure for a lot of companies, but it was, it wasn't, it wasn't the case back in the nineties. Um, and, uh, so, um, you know, the opportunities that come your way to uh, be a representative of Christ on Earth are, they come from all different directions. Um, so let's talk about uh, some of the technology uh, that I've worked on. Um, I have this slide up here. Hi, I'm Cortana. And to, does anybody, first of all, let me ask a question in the audience. How many of you are in STEM-related fields? Wow, okay, Great um so uh now how many of you have ever heard of cortana okay <laughs> very impressive thank you um so in a very real sense um i when, when i use the word i please note that i'm re- speaking of the word there's a we there uh, really hundreds of people at microsoft uh, uh made uh this tech that technology possible um and um uh, but in a very real sense, uh, I and my colleagues at Microsoft, uh, we created Cortana. Uh, we focused uh, on the language, uh, uh, understanding and recognition piece of Cortana. Uh, and it's one of the accomplishments that my team I- I- is proudest of. Um, although, quite honestly, um, I wish I had bought Siri when they came by offering to sell themselves to us. Uh, because, uh, well, they obviously had much more success. Uh, But I I have to say one of the interesting things in the technology field, um, uh, the culture that you may find yourself part of in technology uh, is going to define what's possible. Uh, you um, uh, You can work to change that culture, but the culture is going to sort of, there's a natural flow and current in a technology field. Uh, And, and Microsoft uh, by that point had become a enterprise software company uh, and really didn't have the type of consumer mojo uh, that say Apple has. So, you know, in fact, Our team trying to create this virtual assistant called Cortana was really swimming upstream against the current of, like, how do we help GM be more efficient in manufacturing cars? Or how do we help uh, uh, PG&E manage their grid better, which they really needed help with, um, for those of you who are familiar with the problems out in California. and, uh, so, uh, so be, be aware of that. I mean, you know, there's a, you're, you're, the culture that you're around, um, is sometimes not going to be a fit for your, um, for your aspirations as, as a technologist. Uh, and even for you as a Christian, in, in some cases, there's definitely companies that I'm aware of that are not great places for people of faith, um, so let's talk a little bit about AI here. Um, so uh, one of the things I want to say is, you know, sort of uh, connecting uh, connecting the hype uh, and the reality uh, with AI. Uh, so you probably all read it about it in the news. Uh, some of you, I'm sure, are working. On, how many of you are uh, have, have trained a um, uh, neural network? Has anybody trained a neural network in here? Good. All right. Fa- fabulous. Um, the, um, uh, so you will have a much better idea about what the reality on the ground is. Um, and I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to try and deconstruct some of what we t- call AI uh, and give you, a, uh, give you some tools for uh, thinking about it if you're not in the field. Um, uh, then I want to take some time and sort of how to recognize AI. Uh, where is AI in your life? Uh, and for those of you who are really read up on the field, uh, you're gonna have a good idea, but it is uh, ubiquitous. Uh, I, um, uh, I forget who, whose quote this was. At one point somebody um, said, and it might have been somebody from Microsoft, maybe it was from uh, Google or wherever, but they said, software is eating the world. Uh, uh, and uh, by that they meant that uh, everything is going to have a software component to it uh, in the future. Uh, Well, what's happened in the last 10 years is that AI is now eating all of software. Uh, There's going to be very few software projects out there that don't have some kind of AI component and even if you're not a down on the bare metal technologist, if you're doing applications, I think what you're going to find is you're going to be using the tools that AI provides. Um, So for instance, uh, last year, um, uh, at one of the local high schools uh, that I um, uh, volunteer for, uh, I taught a group of high school students in eight days how to build an AI uh, that could classify images, uh, that could, um, uh, that could, and that could predict, uh, the outcome of NFL games. Uh, and there, the performance, uh, the image classification performance, we, we did some standard, um, there's standard data sets out there that people test themselves on. And they did write up where the, uh, they, they perform right out where the standard was, uh, and then on the NFL games, uh, they were performing as well as the Las Vegas Oddmakers. Uh, and this is just an eight days starting from nothing with the toolkits that are available today uh, from uh, people like IBM and Google um, and Microsoft. Uh, so this was a, a, probably a total of maybe 10 and a half hours of classroom construction, uh, instruction. So... You're, to, you're going to have tools out there in the world that are going to enable you to t- use the uh, capabilities that AI pr- provides. Finally, um, so that's really speaking to the relevance of AI. And finally, as Christians, we want, uh, we want to go out into the world and act uh, as Christians keeping in mind the great commandments, keeping in mind uh, the idea that there is justice in the world and that, uh, and that God calls for justice in all things. And AI is a technology. It's part of his creation, and it needs to be redeemed as well. Um, so... Um, let me give a simple, practical definition here of AI. Um, it's simply a collection of uh, sophisticated algorithms uh, that learn from data to accomplish some useful task. That's that's one definition. Um, now, what I like to do is I say, OK, well, what does that mean? Um, the. The key thing that I like to tell people and not everybody will agree with my simplified definition, but I'm trying to make over uh, dramatic oversimplifications to drive conversation um, is I describe AI it does two there's two functions it's regression and classification Now regression uh, for those of you uh, in the sciences and statistics you're basically predicting the next data point in a series, in a trend. So how do you predict the outcome of something? So it's like, I observe all the data about the weather, I wanna predict the weather for tomorrow or for the next hour. These systems are using AI systems now. I wanna predict the outcome of a football game. Again, we can use AI systems, typically based on artificial neural networks, to predict the outcome. The reason we're able to do that is we have data. Data plus algorithms equals result. The other part of AI is classification. I show show the system a picture and it says, yep, that's your brother, or that's your sister, or that's your friend, Scott. And this is the the other half of AI. And for the the most part, AI can be described as um, these two functions only they're implemented today on a massive scale. And this is what's changed. Um, so I've already talked about the age, you know, um, examples of uh, AI where you have agents like Alexa, Siri, Google Now, Cortana, or is it Google Home or Google Now? I can never remember. Um, and Cortana. Uh, other applications, translation, speech recognition, uh, synthetic speech, self-driving cars, uh, power grid management, resource allocation, credit card fraud detection, uh, facial recognition, um, gameplay in video games, the non-player characters, they're run by AIs. Uh, also the uh, you know some more traditional AI applications would be uh, chess uh, and games. and of course robotics. Robotics is a very ripe field for AI now uh, because of the ability, uh, to uh, for image processing. I suppose we could call the Tesla car a robot. I mean, we properly should. Um, now, one of the problems with AI is AI is out there. The, I, would say, I want to say problems. One of the challenges we face as practitioners uh, for AI is sometimes you can't see the AI, even though it's operating behind behind the scenes. Um, and that often is the source of a lot of problems that, uh, that we may run into. So here's a nice um, video that, uh, uh, that my team uh, was responsible for. Uh, this is a product that, um, uh, that, that we created before I left Microsoft. And, uh, uh, but th- you probably saw this commercial at Christmas time and I'll t- tell you what's going on after we go through the commercial again. Was that... Oh, yeah, why don't you hit the lights so we can just... Have you all seen this commercial? I mean, it was blasted on TV like seven ways to sunny. But hit the lights for a minute, and we... We will prepare for next week's order. We ordered 10,000 units.
0: That sounds good. Pretty cool, huh? you speaking mom in Japanese and hears English. Absolutely. You can put a plan in for <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, I'm right. uh... uh, sorry. About that. I don't want to waste our time by replaying that since I'm sure you've all seen that numerous times. But um, I don't know if I can find my. Hello. Let's see whether we can. All right. The. Uh, so that is um, that's an interesting application and one that we're um, uh, that we're proud of the um, uh, because it involves uh, many different layers uh, and many different components of AI working together. Uh, certainly, there's uh, speech recognition components uh, operating in multiple languages. Uh, in this case, the uh, the vignette was a woman uh, working with her partners in Japan. Uh, she speaks in English, uh, they speak in Japanese, and they hear each, you hear each other in your uh, own language. Um, and, then, um, uh, and then it's synchronized with um, uh, the presentations that they're working through. Uh, the translation part is also based on uh, artificial neural networks. So again, massive amounts of data, massive corpora of, um, of written text. Uh, that's been adapted uh, for the purposes of doing translation real time, uh, and also then the audio databases that were necessary to create the underlying uh, synthetic speech systems and the speech recognition systems. Uh, so literally uh, a terabytes of data. Uh, you know, in that case, that system, that English system, was trained with over a million hours of, um, of, of, um, of audio recordings, Uh, from around the world and the Japanese system, we don't have as much Japanese data, but, uh, well over 200,000 hours of Japanese recordings. Um, and, uh, so for those of us, you know, in the field, we said, well, this is good. We're going to, we're allowing people to communicate, um, and uh, ha- have more effective conversations. Uh, but w- what are some of the like? Let's take something like this, very benign. What what risks might you might we see in something like this? Anybody like say you know if we scratch your head, okay, this looks wonderful. Is there a butt there? Any any ideas where the butts might be? Yeah, privacy. Privacy. Wow, big one, huge one. It's a telephone call for goodness sakes, and now you're allowing. Uh, now, now you're giving permission to your provider to listen to your telephone call, uh, recognize what you said, and do the translation. And so, the question: So, what questions do we need to ask uh, when we agree to let people see our data like that? Any? Yeah. What are they
0: doing with it
1: besides providing us the service? Right, right. And even if it's benign, what, what are, we, are, are they storing it? one of the problems that we faced as part of, um, of our work was how do I provide a service to you, such as speech recognition or translation or speech synthesis, if I can't analyze your data? Uh, I can't, again, because these AI systems, it's, it's, this, um, it's, um, chicken and egg problem. Uh, I need the data so I can build the models so I can provide the service. So how do I take the data and retain the privacy um, while, um, while building these services? This is not a solved question. Um, right now what we do is we put it inside of a big room, if you will, and we lock the door and we don't let anybody look at it except other machines. That's that's the that's the big idea, and, but we don't trust the room right now. This is it, we we probably can do better, but we don't trust the room. So we agree that within six months we're going to delete the data. But this is a big problem because sometimes you need to analyze the data, um, you know, l- uh, after a long period of time, and so we have this tension between research and the needs of uh, and sort of ensuring, guaranteeing the privacy of customers. Uh, and like I said, data is a, rea- is a reality that's in your future. And it's something that you're going to have to struggle with uh, in your jobs, almost certainly in the future. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Okay. Um, so why are we calling it artificial intelligence? Um, I, I I kind of like to deconstruct things. Um, I think the artificial part is easy. Uh, uh, the intelligence part's a little more difficult. Uh, for the for those of you who have studied the area, you know, you'll probably know that John McCarthy, who's one of the fathers of artificial intelligence, uh, actually coined the term back in the mid '50s. Um, and uh, so um, I basically, you know, for a while I was not really happy with the term AI. And and part of it was because I went through, uh, something that we called the AI winter, um, in the eighties. And that's where we lost all our funding because AI didn't work. Um, and it's because we were doing it wrong. Um, but so wisely, uh, wisely our funding sort of, uh, dried up uh, in a, a large, large degree. Um, so we started calling it other things like speech recognition and pattern classification um, and uh, uh, regression studies and things like that. So we just rebranded it. Um, <clears throat> what amuses me, of course, is that the term and back in the 80s, if you called it AI, I mean, you know, you know get away from me. You know, I've lost too much money in that. Um, uh, so we rebranded it. Um, and uh, But then AI made a comeback. Uh, the term AI made a comeback in uh, the late uh, uh in the early 2000s, uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's been on a roll ever since. It's like, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you have a product, you should put AI in it. I don't know why, but um, it's, uh, that, that's kind of the thing. Um, so, what, what, so artificial, that's easy. It's basically something that um, is produced by human beings, uh, uh, trying to be a copy of something that occurs naturally, uh, Often, and so definitely artificial. Uh, What about intelligence? Uh, Now, intelligence, uh, I've always been worried about intelligence because in language we end up conflating meaning into new things because we need to use old words to describe these new things. Um, So, intelligence is a word that carries a lot of baggage with it. Uh, because we don't, well, what kind of intelligence are we talking about? My dog is intelligent. Um, You know, my child's intelligent. Uh, Is my machine intelligent? Um, But there's a good definition of intelligence that I like, that I think allows us to, you know, uh, fairly use the word when we say AI, AI. And intelligence is the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. Okay. Well, Our neural networks, um, and for those of you who don't know what a neural network is, it's it's just an algorithm, okay? It's more than that, but we'll just call it that for the minute. Um, Yes, it acquires uh, knowledge and skills by analyzing data, and then it can perform useful actions. Okay, great. So we have some. We have, we have an AI, and we say, well, this AI can play chess. Well, can it make a hamburger? No. Uh, can, it, can it play Monopoly? No. Well, what can it do? It can play chess. Okay, so now, in, the, in essence now, we have a summary description of the limitations of AI, and that's to say... Well, thank you. Um, And that's to say that um, uh, we don't have generalized artificial intelligence. Uh, Artificial intelligence is not like human intelligence. Uh, Humans can adapt uh, what they've learned to new situations. Uh, We are attempting very, very initial experiments where we're trying to... It's what we call transfer learning, Um, and in that case, what we're trying, you know, an example of transfer learning is I try and use the fact that I know how to, that my system can understand 37 languages in order to adapt it to understand uh, recognize a 38th language. Uh, very, and, and but that's still very narrow. And, and part of it is because, the problem space, the structure of the space, is almost identical. Of the new solution is almost identical to the old solution, but it's still enormously painful to do. Um, and to take my speech recognition system and ask it to drive a car, it's just not going to happen. Um, um, so that's that's where AI is. So we basically spectacularly failed um, in these um, uh, in, in these generalized uh, intelligence systems. Um, but after I tell you that, that we've that it's failed, we've got to ask, well, what's what's changed? Um, why has AI become uh, so um, such a buzzword these days? And well, two things: it's processing and data, um, and um, essentially the internet is here. It's been here for a while. And we now have the capability of processing the data that the internet is producing in ways that we, what weren't, was not possible 10 years ago. Um, and uh, so, for instance, and I'm, I have a kind of comparison here, just again to give you a, um, uh, something to hang yourself off of. One of the, uh, one of the uh, biggest AI chips in the world um, is a wafer scale integration um, uh, from Cerebus. Um and uh this has 1.2 trillion transistors um it consumes 20 kilowatts. Okay? Uh your brain consumes 20 watts. Um and this roughly speaking and furthermore your brain um is capable of processing about 10 to the 19th uh bits per second. Uh, And this is capable of processing 10 to the 17th. And that's remarkable because that means the machines that are being built are uh, getting to with they're within two orders of magnitude of the human processing processing power. And there's lots of arguments about what is human processing power. We won't go into that. I'm just saying that if we ever thought that we couldn't build a computer with the amount of processing power of a human brain, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Be ready for it. It's probably going to be there within, you know, I, I predicted, uh, probably within 10 years. Um, God knows how much and he does, um, uh, how much energy it's going to take to run that computer. Uh, but it's a, um, uh, but we're getting, we're getting within the, uh, are get, getting within the realm of, um, of, of human processing power. Now, going back to the data, um, Today, on Earth, we generate uh, 2.5 quintillion bits of data every day. Um, That's 10 to the 18th uh, bits of data. Um, And you're generating yourself about 1.7 megabits of data per second. And you say, no, I'm not generating 1.7 megabits of data per second. How is that possible? Well, how is that possible? You probably all have a phone in your pocket. Well, it's probably not—it's probably not sending that amount of data up to you know Google or uh, Apple or whomever, um, whomever whomever the phone is. But so where does the rest of the data come from? Well, uh, you're all enrolled in university classes, so you have data records uh, inside uh, the university. Uh, You're all, you probably have credit cards, other financial instruments. You probably have health health records. Um, You have a driver's license. Um, Basically, operating in modern society today, because of the digital nature of our society, you're generating data just by sitting there. Just by existing, uh, you're generating data. Um, And this is what, you know, this is the concern we have um, in the AI field. So let me sum up uh, regression and classification, but on a colossal scale, but still lacking the ability to implement generalized intelligence. So how should we approach this as Christians? Um, I like to start with um, Ecclesiastes here. Uh, What has been will be again what has been done will be done again. And there is nothing new under the sun. So the way this speaks to me is that AI is not a surprise to God. Um, AI represents a kind of upheaval that we've seen throughout human history, agriculture, industrialization, urbanization, mass production, software, and now AI. Again, AI Plus software, the difference is the data that's involved. So, when we look at each of these developments in human culture, I mean, what are we? Are these uh, are these uh, all good, good, bad? What are they? Neutral? Any any thoughts? Where, where, where do people? When you think about new developments in our in life, particularly technological ones, how how, how do we? What what's the result there? Yes, it's a tool. It can be used for good or for bad. Uh, usually more good than bad. It? Usually more good than bad. Usually more good than bad. I, I have a, and that's right. I'm. I'm a. Um, will get on to that. I have a friend of mine who likes to say, likes to play uh, with other. He he throws a dart. He he asks people to throw a dart on his map of the world, um, and then he says, "Okay, that's where you're going to be born. When do you want to be born?" The answer is today, because it's almost certainly that the level of human suffering anywhere on the planet was greater in the past than it is today. There are some very localized exceptions, and we have to acknowledge that there is enormous suffering in the world. But, um, uh, but today, you know, we, you know, the world continues to be redeemed. Yes? Um, so that's, uh, it's a very deep question. Um, so uh, one would say is the, was, I mean, a great, a great tool would be, say, is the atomic bomb morally flawed? Um, the, um, it's a machine. There are very few uses of that machine that are moral. If it, I, I can perhaps think of one. Can anybody think of a moral use of an atomic bomb? Safety of our citizens. Okay. Space flight. Space flight. As a deterrent for warfare. No. A deterrent for warfare. I have one more. Um, I'm not sure whether it would work. You know. Um, how about um, you know blowing up an asteroid? That's going to hit the planet, right? Could be. I mean, so I mean, I'm I'm really going out there, but you know, I have fun. So I'm I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. I love science fiction. Um, it, it it causes you to think about where we're going as people. Um, so I don't know whether it's possible for um, an inanimate object to be morally flawed because. Uh, there's probably some use of that object that is um, does not do harm, that that doesn't do unto others as you wouldn't have them do unto you. There's, but there are often objects out there which are um, almost um, you know 99.99% of their uses are like we just really didn't need that thing, did we? Um, that's my. That's where I stand. I think we heard some other good uh, good opinions there. Um, so AI, um, so we have a couple of different um, uh, visions of AI uh, amongst technologists. So it's, uh, and uh, I mean, I've, I lost my uh, reference here, but I, I really like this one. Big Brother, we all know George Orwell's 1984. Uh, that doesn't seem ter- too terrific um, big mother, uh, big mother is, uh, well, you know, you silly humans don't know any better, but I'm going to take care of you. Um, and then big Butler. Um, and, uh, this is the one where AI is a tool that improves, uh, for the most part, uh, our, our human situation. Um, so we, I think Big, big Brother is, uh, is definitely an issue. Certainly some of, the, um, some of our non-democratic societies are using AI uh, against their... Cit- they're using AI to control their citizens in ways that is not uh, consistent with God's ideal of free will for us. Again, as technologists, we need to be careful about sliding into a situation like that. In Britain, for instance, there are more cameras in urban areas than anywhere else in the world. I think China's about ready to catch up and pass them. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a democratic society that has the infrastructure for a Big Brother-like uh, uh, situation. Um, uh, Big Mother. Uh, now, this is an interesting one. The um, uh, And it actually refers to motherhood. Uh, at it is a simple-minded one. Uh, at one point, a uh, 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 a chain store uh, began to employ an algorithm to target customers with very specific advertisements. Um, and uh, so it, it went like this: they, you know, they had some kind of loyalty card. Do any of you carry loyalty cards? I see a few there. Um, Even with your credit cards, Apple Pay, you know, whatever it might be. These are all Google Pay, uh, all opportunities to uh, collect, you know, increase your data stream. Um, Sometimes usefully, sometimes creepily. In this case, they would notice, oh, uh, Mary Smith bought folic acid today. She's never bought folic acid in the past. Oh, she bought it again. Huh. What might I know about Mary Smith? Okay, um, fair enough. Uh, not at that point in life. Um, if it's, a, uh, it's a vitamin that provides pregnancy support. Okay, so we think Mary Smith is pregnant. And the next week in your mailer, in the mailbox, uh, or maybe it pops up on your browser, you start seeing ads for... Uh, Baby carriages and cribs and bassinets. Huh. That's kind of spooky or creepy. Or is it useful? You need to decide. Would you... Do you want... Mary Smith wasn't ready to tell that department store that she was pregnant. Maybe she wasn't even ready to tell her friends. But the department store knew. So, in AI... We have tools that allow us to make inferences, useful inferences. Makes our lives easier. But by making our lives easier, our privacy is sometimes um, uh, impinged upon. The final one is Big Butler. Um, And um, this is the scenario I prefer. Um, So Cortana, Siri, Alexa, these... They're called personal assistants, right? So like a butler, like Jeeves, um, if you're familiar with the Iron Man thing. Alfred. Alfred, yes. And, these, um, uh, and in this view, these machines under our control uh, provide, um, uh, provide services to us. But even there, there's potentially a moral hazard. There's potentially a risk. um, here I'm, um here's, a couple, here's a handful of examples of current um, um, systems out there uh, that are, get, to, get to the idea of Big Butler. Uh, the one on the upper left is a, a robot that delivers towels to your room in the hotel. Um, I don't know whether there's any of these here in Pittsburgh. I know in Chicago um, there's a hotel uh, with these robots. Uh, some of you probably have households with a Roomba. Um, I don't know whether they're more useful, more work than uh, use, uh, because you always have to clean them up. Um, Of course, these uh, surveillance cameras. Um, This one here on the bottom left, uh, the corn, um, this is an interesting one where where John Deere is building AI systems in their corn harvesters to classify and sort the corn kernels. An enormously difficult problem because you're harvesting millions of these kernels and you've got to sort them up. The reason they want to sort them is they want to get the best seed corn for the next year's crops. Um, so, again, very innovative applications of AI uh, that will benefit the food supply on our planet. Um, the middle one here, the, the robot on the salad row, um, uh there's a, um, robotic farmers are starting to come into play, similar to the the corn sorting. That's basically accelerating uh, or or improving farming. Uh, The the robotic farmer here uh, that is uh, taking care of the lettuce in the Salinas Valley there, uh, this is all experimental, of course. Um, That is actually, uh, will improve the crops, will improve the productivity of the field, uh, reduce the use of pesticides, uh, reduce irrigation, uh, again, increase productivity per acre. Uh, you know, basically, uh, it's not, it's not. Necess- it's basically making farming more efficient, uh, some would say more intensive, but in this case, it's lowering the impact because we're lowering the amount of water and pesticides and uh, fertilizers needed to make these crops grow. But, it is replacing uh, people's labor. Um, and this other one here, which is my personal favorite, is the robotic lawnmower because uh, I'm really tired of mowing my lawn. Um, so I actually own one of these. Um, and uh, it's, um, it's sweet. I, I really enjoy not having to go out to mow my lawn. Okay. Okay. Um, so we're talking about the risks here. We're going to really focus a little bit more on data. Um, um, so when we think about data, uh, usually I like, to, you know, um, we come, come up with something new, some new development in human society. You know, we ought to say, okay, great. So what's the right thing to do? Learn to do right. We've got to learn. And then seek justice with that right. Right. Um, um, now, can AI do this? Well, no, we don't. AI can do very little, as I've described. But AI learns. And um, when we talk about AI learning, it learns from data. Um, and then we have to ask the question, if AI learns from data, is that inherently fair? Can, th- can we think of you know, data? It's neutral, right? Is data neutral? Depends where the data is coming from. There was an application that New York City was trying to roll out to find potholes. Um, It's a clever application. You you download this application on your phone, and you say, okay, uh, you can track my GPS coordinates, and you can track the accelerometer in my car, Um, And when my car hits a pothole, you'll know there's a pothole at, you know, uh, uh, Fifth and Broadway or whatever. And uh, then the city works department comes out and fills in the pothole. Is there bias there? I see somebody nodding. Do you want to speak up or or just agree? (laughs) That's. I think I got part of that, and maybe just to repeat what I thought I heard. It's one is. is, Do you say it was privacy intrusive or? Does anybody have? I, I think Progressive does this, and a couple of insurance companies. Does anybody have one of these? Monitor how I drive, and I'll lower your insurance rate policies. Yeah, a few people do. Yeah, interesting questions to ask. Um, I kind of like the. My son has one of those. I kind of like the idea that he takes it easy. You know, I'm kind of okay with that. I think. Different one on the pothole thing is that. Not everybody has a smartphone that's capable of being part of that app. Uh, not everybody has um, uh, a car. Uh, so the result is, is that uh, uh, socioe- socioeconomically disadvantaged areas of the city have low data coverage. So the data is biased towards the places where more wealthy people go. Kind of simple. Even in my work, we had this problem. We had a very similar problem with speech recognition, um, is that the people with smartphones who were contributing their audio data to us uh, were vastly skewed to white male technologists, certainly early on. Uh, And so what was the result? We didn't understand women very well all right so (laughs) that was bad no this is bad Um, uh, and the simple thing for us is first we had to recognize the problem you've got to say ask yourself could there be a problem and then you say you know is there a problem how do I test for the problem and then then I address the problem it turns out addressing the problem was fairly simple All I needed to do was bias my data sampling so that uh, I would oversample the women in our data stream so that they're balanced with the men. And now I had models that were performing equally uh, for both men and women. And this goes along all kinds of different avenues. Like it could be uh, like age, um, aged people. We have fewer of them. So how do we improve things for aged people? For children, how do we make things work better for children? Uh, So again, bias shows up in all places. Again, um, uh, I already gave the example about the uh, unwelcome inferences, Um, but there are also welcome inferences. So when you're doing your jobs and you're making inferences about your customers or, or the people who you're providing a service to, we need to ask ourselves, would my customer want me to make that inference about them? Uh, sometimes you need to ask explicitly. Sometimes you can't know. Like you know, maybe you want me to make that difference so you can get the best product or the best deal. And maybe you say, "Well, look, this is. I feel like this is intruding on my privacy. And so please, just don't remember anything about me. I'm okay. I'll make my own decision uh, about what hamburger to buy or whatever the deal might be." Yeah.
0: It, they make sure to say it in a way that it's like we're just trying to help you out here.
1: Oh, I we mean any, we're not we're not saying
0: anything about money. We're not saying that we're benefiting from this. We're trying to help you by collecting your data.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, and uh, you know, obviously I'm, I I'm biased, yeah. right? Cuz I spent so many years at that company. Uh and and Google does it too, Yeah. Like all of those services are like can we collect your data so we can better serve you. Yes. Yeah. But uh, have any of you ever gone onto the onto the Google page or the Microsoft page and uh, done a review of what these services know about you? I see a couple people nodding. Do it. Do it. Do it do it today or sometime. Uh, I think it's like uh, www.google.com/privacy and same thing for Microsoft. Uh, and it is remarkable what information is being collected said, well that's cool that's why they were able to recommend to me that cool faux place uh down in the strip district because they knew that i liked faux Man. and other people you know in other cases say uh, creepy go away unfortunately now companies are you know they're giving you more control over your data um So a few other things, and I think we're going to probably we're going to be running out of time here, uh, but I'll I'll probably stop around here. Uh, The the last scenario, the big butler scenario, um, um, I really want to sort of think because I think this is the one that's really going to be the the issue for us um, is what's going to be the impact on human beings uh, when you don't have to work? I mean if, if if that ha and I, I think that is that I, I think that's going I think that's going to happen uh, and uh, <clears throat> i I'd really kind of like I, this is a, I think one of the biggest issues as we continue um, as we continue to have uh, this acceleration of wealth creation and leisure time and goods and services that are available at extremely low prices so so maybe I'd, I'd want to sort of Open it to the room uh, along that question and any other questions you might have. But sort of, so, the, my question is: there, Where, what kind of world as Christians do we want to nurture? Oh, let me. I'll go to the fellow here in the back, and I'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. It allows us to actually pursue more of our passion and other things that we're just by. okay now i I, I completely um, I completely agree with that. If you look around all the craft uh, craft uh, businesses that are arising, um, you know quite honestly, who really needs to buy a seven dollar or nine dollar craft beer, uh, what about you know these beeswax candles that my neighbor has started making? Um, that she's charging ten dollars a piece for, um, and uh, and my my niece, uh, she's an actress or an aspiring actress, I should say, um, and people who want to pursue the arts, uh, you know, both the performing and the visual arts. You know, there's one version of it is saying, you know, AI can be, you know, AI properly used can be redemptive in that it allows us uh, to be our creative selves rather than doing repetitive manufacturing work or repetitive farm work or something of that nature. Uh, But there's challenges. Not everybody's going to be an artist. Not everybody's going to be a craftsman.
0: to work to meet our necessities but it will allow us to replace that time that we spent with work with things that might create more value in our lives versus the global life.
1: There's an interest, you know, if you look at work in the Bible, um, a lot of times, and work is valued, but a lot of times the work they're referring to, it's the work of the, the work of the Great Commission Um, and uh, yeah, it frees up time for people to go and spread the gospel. So, uh, going off what you said earlier, uh, Speak up louder if you can. Yeah, I think we already see some of this today. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the, you know, you know I think pro- Proverbs is kind of hard sometimes, you know, the slugger, right? Uh, but there, I've certainly seen some of my friends who retired from, uh, you know, they were very fortunate when they were at Microsoft. They got in even earlier than I did. Um, and uh, and they retired far too early. And, you know, they were the classic retired Rich guy who walked around his house in his bathrobe, not really having any purpose to their life, uh, so you know when you think about when you think about sort of a world where things are done for us, we should be clear about what is our purpose you know uh, of course uh, I'm Presbyterian, so the Westminster greater catechism, what is the chief end of man? Does anybody know that let's say uh yeah, yes. T- t- say, say it louder, Scott.
0: Not a bad job. I guess oh,
1: you okay. well, oh.
0: know good. right but because of that there's a loss of these jobs in factories which a lot of people rely on because they don't have a form of higher education or learning so then that's effectively shutting them out of God's creation and desire for humans to work and to make money and grow and stuff like that so there's a potential problem of ethics there for us Christians because
1: Right. So just to repeat, the uh, uh, AI, you know, regardless a, a, regardless of what we do as Christians, uh, AI is going to cause job displacements um, over the next 30 years. They're happening right now. Um, and that's something we need to be aware of um, uh, to the extent that we can make policies that... Uh, um, manage the transition in a way that is uh, respectful um, of everybody everybody 's right to work uh, uh, is important um, i don 't have answers there uh, One of the big things that people will bring up and this is going to be a huge issue we 've already had a lot of talk in the news about uh wealth inequality um, there's a or and it 's going to create it's going to create a greater concentrate as as wealth increases in the world, though it's going to be a greater concentration of wealth at the top. So the difference between, you know, the difference between us and Bill Gates is going to get larger. Um, And our lives will be better, uh, but we'll see more people like that who are controlling more and more of the economy uh, in, in that way. And the question you all will have to ask in your lives is: you know, well, AI is going to contribute to that. And, you know, it, what kind of world do we want to live in? Where do you, you know, how do you want to, how do we live in a world and manage uh, this new abundance that God is giving us uh, in a way that does justice to all people? It's twelve thirty. I understand that I so I probably stand between you and lunch. Um, so I will end the formal part of my uh, discussion with you. I'll stay around for a little while if people have questions and or or, or thoughts that they want to share. Uh, but thank you very much, and uh, have a great rest of Jubilee.